Hello and welcome to today's edition of Your Questions Answered with Father Gruner. I'm John Veneri. In this program, as you know, we take the questions that you send to us via email. We discuss them. Father Gruner answers them. And continue to send us those questions, please. Here uh, we have a question about the Society of St. Pius X, saying that uh, someone says, I have attended their Masses and have confessed, but I was not sure if I should. May I go to confession validly to a priest of the Society of St. Pius X? Okay, and I think that the person goes on to ask that they've asked some questions and they haven't had a satisfactory answer, perhaps. So my understanding, first of all, is that, John, you, not that I don't attend the Society of St. Pius X, uh, I have on occasion, but I don't go there every week, but I believe that you do. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yes. And uh, secondly, when people ask about, do they have the, uh, for a simple explanation, uh, about uh, if they have jurisdiction, the SSPX does have an explanation. I know you're not a priest, but at the same time, you've talked to a number of them, and, I, and I'd like to hear what they say is if you don't mind. Well, yes, in fact, they have entire write-ups about it on um, supply jurisdiction. That, that Technically, of course, for a priest to hear confessions and witness a marriage, at that point he's acting as a judge. And in order to act as a judge, he should be given the faculties from the bishop to do it. In a way, the jurisdiction. In the jurisdiction, yeah, be given, be given jurisdiction. And in normal times, of course, we would that is what we would go by. But when we have these extraordinary times in which we live, where Catholic priests, don't, many, so many Catholic priests don't seem to have the faith, when or, or, te- or have the knowledge, or have the knowledge, or teaching things that are contrary, or you go to a confession and you tell them your sins, and each time you say something, he says, "Well, that's not a sin. Well, that's not a sin. Well, that's not. Well, don't worry about that. That, that, that doesn't." Or as one very sappy modern priest said, "That wouldn't matter to a loving God. A loving God wouldn't care about." <laughs> you know, I mean, you can't hit a priest, but anyway, uh, it's very frustrating. So this unprecedented crisis of faith that we have has and, uh, faith and governance and governance. The uh, the Society of Saint Pius X was established by Archbishop Lefebvre primarily to train priests. That was his original intention. Yes, it still tra- is, I'm sure. To, to train, yeah, it is to train priests at a time when the seminarians themselves, by the end of the 60s, they couldn't find a seminary that was both Catholic and sane. Yeah. You had people writing their own liturgies. You had crazy moral theology being taught, uh, heretical dogma being taught, and these seminarians. Well, it's a term. Heretic, yeah, it can't be dogma if it's heretical. Yes, but yes, yeah, te- you're right, heretical you're teaching. Right. Heretical <laughs> teaching. Yes. Passing for Catholic <laughs> teaching. Yes, go ahead. But uh, and so these seminarians didn't know what to do, and someone said, "Well, Archbishop Lefebvre is retired. Why don't you talk to him?" And the uh, so the young we know one of them of course is uh, Bishop Tissier de Malloray. He was yeah. part of this first group, uh, young Bernard Tissier de Malloray. And they went to the Archbishop, and initially the Archbishop said, "Well, I think you'd be safe going to the University of Freiburg in Switzerland. It's in Switzerland, right?" So yeah. they went there, and then they came back and said, "This is getting to be just as bad as anywhere else." And there were a number of priests who said to Archbishop Lefebvre, "You can't leave these men orphans." You know, you have to do something for them. And so he said, well, he always followed providence. And he said, I'm going to pray that we get some sort of formal approval. And if we do, that will be a sign that this is something that heaven wants us to do. And the bishop of uh, Sion, I think it was? Uh, Sion in, 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 Switzerland. in Switzerland. Even though he was a liberal, he gave the archbishop the okay. And that was how this whole the Society of St. Pius X was started in this crucible of this crisis of faith that happened at, and, and at the, the Second Vatican Council. I, I, th- I was in the seminary at that time, and I knew a, 
a young man who's become a priest subsequently, but he had been spending four years looking for an Orthodox seminary. Yes. And he, he, and he, we, we found something together, so to speak, in, in Rome at the time. But I remember his story. He went four years looking for one and he couldn't find one. You know, and he gave examples of what they were saying in Seminary X and Seminary Y. I mean, it's a long time ago since he told me those stories, but so it's, Oh, yes, and I remember hearing uh, one of the original priests of the society talking about going to Catholic University of America in the late 60s. He said every day was just another battle because they would come in knowing the faith of the Council of Trent, knowing, especially in moral theology, and just have to battle with their professors the whole time. Well, I mean, it reminds me of... I I took a resolution not to battle... I had had enough. I said to myself... I'm not going to ask another question, Professor. I'm not going to speak up. I'm not going to... I decided that, but I'm sorry. This professor just pushed me too far. When he started speaking to me, speaking to me in 20... Every day he came into class. He was from Spain. You could be from anywhere, but he was from Spain. And he was talking about St. Paul being prejudiced against women. And he wouldn't just say it once, and you could just forget it and pretend he didn't say it. He said it every day. He said it five times or more. And you just... It was in your face. You couldn't... I finally said, What discrimination... He looks at he was surprised I was there, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, he says, Have you read the Bible? I said, I said, I've read every word of the Bible. Now, what are you talking about? So, uh, for the next 20 minutes, we battled it out in public. He lost. I wasn't that smart, but every time he was talking, I was saying, Hail Mary's. When he finished, I was listening with one ear and saying, I don't know the answer to that question, but when I finished, I had the answer for him. And he came back with another one. After 20 minutes, he gave up. But he still had, oh, one more, you're it, you know. <laughs> I, I let it go, but but you know, it, but it turned. And yes, and I wouldn't have taken that resolution if, I, if that was the first one. But but he was the worst. And even the dean, who was quite whatever he was, he wasn't conservative or or orthodox, as I recall. He asked me about the incident about a year later. I, I told him he just shook his head. He was the dean was also a Spaniard at the time. But anyway, those are and our our university was considered better than most of them in Rome. So uh, getting back to this question, the this crisis of faith that took place, the Society of St. Pius X, and even their illegal suppression in the early 70s, because the... Uh, 75. 75. I was in Rome at the time. Yeah, because Rome... I was, there, I was there when it was filed. I was there when it was on the... It was filed on a Friday, and it was it was rejected on the Monday. And obviously, I mean, I've been through a few cases. I know a bit about canon law, and there's no way they could have dealt with it between Friday and Monday. It turns out that the Secretary of State picked up the phone and told the... The pro-prefect of the, for the signatura, you're not taking that case, goodbye. And so you're not taking that case. But uh, it doesn't, yeah, it was so manifestly uh, uh, unjust. So from the beginning, the Society of St. Pius X was literally persecuted because of the fidelity. I call it the yeah. crime of fidelity. Yeah. They, they taught what the church always taught, especially the anti-liberalism of the pre-Vatican II popes, which now is about as, you know, those documents are about as welcome as an appendicitis. But, the, but well, in fact, I mean, they're welcomed by... They're welcomed yeah, by true Catholics, no, no, but no, by the present hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about it. A sick body doesn't mind appendicitis, but a healthy body does. Yeah. But a, a sick, uh, you know, body of uh, people, they, they wouldn't want to have the... But the, the healthy body wants those teachings, so they're so clear. Yes, yeah, so so the whole suppression of the society, I mean, everything the society has gone through to this day goes back to that suppression, that illegal suppression in 1975. Uh, Archbishop Lefebvre never got his day in court. 
you might know something well, but, about but, that. But, but to, to answer, <laughs> to, well, I mean, I had my day in court and I proved them wrong. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, so they, they they just whisper against me now. They don't say it in public generally. But my point here is that that do they have the jurisdiction? And of course, Canon 844 talks about in case of necessity to supply jurisdiction. Now, I'm not an expert canon lawyer on this subject. I don't have to be. So if if there's a case of necessity, then they supplied jurisdiction. And you started touching upon this earlier on when you talked about that you know there are priests who don't know their theology, there are priests who don't have the faith, and so people want to entrust their soul to somebody who knows the faith and who has a, a good formation in Catholic moral theology. And in the society of priests, I mean, some of them are better formed than others, and so, uh, you know, I wouldn't just say just because there's a society they have to be perfect or, you know, that they can't ever make a mistake. On the other hand, compared to what's out there, the rest of them, they're doing much better than most priests in the diocese today, I would say. So the society operates on what's called the, the, in a time of crisis of faith, a state of emergency, as they call it, that this supply jurisdiction is it's there. Been, first of all, the supreme law, just to understand where the supply jurisdiction comes from, canon 1752, it's the last canon in the new code, but it's a principle that's in every code, a canon law, the old previous code and so forth. The supreme law of the church is the salvation of souls. So our Lord gave the sacrament of confession to the church for the salvation of souls. God wants people to get to heaven. And to get to heaven, they need absolution for their sins. And Christ has given that power to the priests if they have jurisdiction. But if, for whatever reason, that that jurisdiction is not given... And somebody, so even if a priest, if even he was excommunicated, could still hear the confession of a man dying on his deathbed if there's no other priest around. Mm-hmm. The jurisdiction is supplied to him and is in the law, supplied to him, even though he normally wouldn't have it, he is supplied to him for that case at that time. And so the idea of supplied jurisdiction is not just a make-up thing. It's, it really is a true principle of, of canon law. And certainly, and that supplied jurisdiction is given in case of necessity, and certainly, uh, no one has, I mean, I think in the negotiations between the Society of St. Pius X and the Vatican, when they try to make allegations, I mean, I remember listening to Bishop Fillet saying these things uh, of, you know, they would say, well, of course, your marriages are invalid and, and you're, he just, I think he, he or his theologians put an end to that question and they never raised the question ever again in mm-hmm. his presence. I mean, uh, you know, so I don't, I, I think that the answer to that question is simply, they have supplied jurisdiction. And you by can law, go. And you can go. Okay, okay that's it. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh. All right, so uh, that's all for this program, and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you very much.